Welcome to Open Comments with myself, Ash. And me, Irene. A show that opens the conversation onto career advice, career journeys, lifelong learning, and more. Through this innovative podcast, we'll be offering insightful dialogues with an equal mix of humour and candour. Join us as we embark on an engaging conversational journey with a diverse set of guests from different walks of life. We hope you enjoy our show and look forward to bringing more topics into the fold for you through each episode. Let's dive in. Okay, with us today is Jason Garbus, who is the founder and principal at Numberline Security, helping enterprises prepare for, define, and execute effective zero trust strategies. Jason has also authored two books on zero trust security and is co-chair of the Zero Trust Working Group at the Cloud Security Alliance and is a frequent contributor to and speaker at the industry conferences. Thank you, Jason, for joining us for this episode at the Open Group Houston Summit. We look forward to speaking to you about your career journey, how you balance projects, graduate advice, and much more. Great. Thanks, Irene. Thanks, Ash. I'm looking forward to this. All right. So let's jump right in. So, uh, Jason, can you walk us through your career journey so far? What got you interested into your field? So I, I've been working in technology for well over 30 years, um, which makes me extremely old. Uh, I, I guess I was fortunate that growing up uh, during the during the uh, late 70s and early 80s was when personal computers really hit and it was you know, an exciting time to get a computer in your house for the first time and get to spend endless hours playing with it and, and learning how it worked and you know, understanding that there was a lot of a lot of depth there going to computer clubs and teaching myself how to program in basic um, and you know understanding I didn't quite understand, you know, what the software business was as a teenager, uh, but I realized this was a field that I was interested in. When I went to college, I studied computer science, and I graduated and got a job as a software engineer working for a fairly large company. Um, and that really started me down the road, realizing I really enjoyed this technology uh, side of it. I like building software, and I didn't understand the business side of it. And I think that's something, over time, as I progressed in my career, I became more and more exposed to that and involved in that. So I spent about seven years working as a software engineer, writing C and C++ and Java code and building distributed systems, uh, network systems. Um, And then I shifted into a technical consulting role for a middleware company where I was working. And I really enjoyed that because I spent a lot of time traveling, uh, but more importantly, visiting customers, enterprise customers, and going in very quickly understanding what their architecture, their environment, what their problems were, and helping them to um, very quickly um, try to to diagnose and solve the specific technical problems, but also set them on the right track from an enterprise architecture perspective. Um, And then when my wife and I started the family, I needed to change away from a high travel role, so I shifted into product management, uh, which I had spent close to 20 years doing. working for uh, for software companies. So in that role, it's a very technical role, but what I really enjoyed about it was that it broadened my horizons to focus on uh, how, to, how does a technology company bring a product to the market? How do you enable your salespeople? What, is, what even is a sales process? Or how does marketing work in that world? Um, and then, um, so I continued in, the, in that role, taking on some executive leadership roles at a couple of software companies. Um, and then at the beginning of this year, I stepped out on my own and... Um, 
now I'm doing independent consulting, helping enterprises with their, their zero trust strategy. So I've gotten, I feel like, you know, this big picture across how technology companies work and how enterprise and enterprise architecture works. Um, at the same time, I've gone deep into information security. So that's a little bit of my meandering, uh, meandering career path. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you really do have a big picture, a big wide view on everything that you've done so far in the past. That's great. And it lead you to being an independent consultant. And staying on the route of um, helping enterprises, can you tell us a little bit about what mentoring means to you and how important that is in your career? It's um, it's really important because um, um, for a variety of reasons. I mean, clearly, when you're a manager, when you're hiring people, part of what you want to do is to see them grow and to challenge them and to you know, take some responsibility for, um, I won't say shaping them, but guiding them in the right way that is number one, um, something that's going to help them professionally. Uh, and number two is aligned with their personality and, and their interests and their skills. Obviously, different people gravitate toward different things, and some people might be you know, more suited to different roles than others. And as a manager, or as a leader, or as a mentor, um, that's something to, to recognize. And part of it is you, know, you do want to challenge people, um, and at the same time, you want to encourage them to, to grow and to try uh, to work in areas that... Uh, they may not be um, that that are, that they're well suited for. So I was I've been very fortunate that um, many of the people I work for, my direct managers, have acted as mentors as well and really given me you know good guidance and helped me number one see the big picture and they've supported me, um, coached me and you know beaten me up when I've fallen short or or got off track. Um, so it, I've been I've been very fortunate to have uh, those types of folks that I work for. And of course, there's folks on the other side of the picture where you have. People that you either work directly or indirectly for that you learn a lot about how not to do things. Right. Yeah. So, um, um, so when you were first starting off with your career journey, do you remember any mentorship advice that you received in order to help you uh, jumpstart your career? Thinking back in the ancient past there, um, I, I can't recall specific mentorship advice. I, I remember that my first manager and technical lead, when I, right when I graduated from school, what was really helpful was they understood my strengths and weaknesses, and there were areas of software engineering that I was pretty good at, um, and there were areas where I was brand new to it. Um, so they recognized that, and they said, okay, great, you know, you're good at these technology things. Let's talk about what a software engineering process is at this company. Let's talk about how we work as a team, and then you know we do code reviews, and we have a quality uh, release process, etc. So I really got to learn uh, through them about, uh, in this example, software engineering processes. So I think it was um, a recognition of it, it was it was a. Uh, something that they recognized that um, they couldn't assume that I know, knew everything. And through the question and answer and discussion, they realized, okay, he doesn't know about this, fantastic. We're not going to yell at him about that. It's about guiding and educating and teaching so he could, that he could be a productive member of the team. And so would you say that um, you would constantly have to trade comfort for growth in order to move to where you are now in your career trajectory and that way you could do continuous learning? I'm a big fan of continuous learning and trying new things, and, and even at, at an advanced age like I am, um, of being a beginner at something and realizing, oh, I'm trying this and I'm really terrible at it, and that's okay. Um, I think that 
you know, especially as you advance in your career and you get fancy titles and, you know, people look at you with, with you know, respect because you've done a lot, it's important to keep some humility as well and try whatever it is, whether it's an athletic activity or musical skill or something, and recognize, okay, I'm a beginner and I'm terrible at this, but that's okay. I'm, I'm interested in learning um, about that. Um, I think I lost. What was the first part of the question? There was a, there was a thread there. Oh, uh, if you found yourself constantly having to oh, trade comfort for growth. I would, I, okay, I would say, you know, yes and no, right? So there's, if you think about the career, my career, a career, mm-hmm. there's certainly areas where you want to go deep. And I do want to encourage people who are listening to, to go deep and make sure that there are some sections or some facets where you really deeply understand things. Because if you don't, because... Doing so is going to give you the confidence and the knowledge to be able to stand up and, uh, you know, speak about this confidently to lead and even confront people who are wrong about it and say, no, no, this is really how this thing works. So it's important to go deep. And I wouldn't say that that's an area of discomfort, uh, but there is definitely areas of, of growth and challenge. You know, for me, um, public speaking, being on stage and presenting is, is very, it's hard for me. It's draining. You know, some people are naturally very extroverted and I'm not one of them. I can give a good presentation, but it's exhausting for me. So that's a, that's a skill. That's something that I practiced and definitely, you know, for many times and for many years, it was, there was a lot of uh, discomfort. It was nerve wracking and uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of mediocre presentations before I really, I really developed this skill. I'd be none the wiser now. <laughs> and staying on that as well, how would um, sorry, pause and start again? And staying on that route, what does it mean to, according to you, stepping out of your comfort zone? And how do you approach that? So, have you felt like over time you've become more confident in certain areas, or do you think it was a more gradual process, or do you find you take it one step at a time? certain you know um, presentations you may prefer in terms of like where it is or the subject matter or is it just really just a mix of you know all different things there, it's definitely a mixture because it could have varied so widely by domain i mean certainly there are some things that are well understood and well structured like giving presentations everyone given a million presentations yes. and you know, if you could start off and say, all right, I'm presenting to a five-person team or a ten-person team, and then, oh, I'm going to a conference, and I'm presenting to 50 people in the audience, and then it grows from there where you get to these giant conferences and you're up, up on stage in front of a thousand people or, you know, in some cases even more than that. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of one area for this. And it's very straightforward, and I won't say it's necessarily easy for people, but, you know, there's a natural progression there, and you can practice, and you can take presentation skills classes, you can have interactive things to do with, with other people to practice. But then there's things where you're kind of off the roadmap, whether it's a leadership role in an organization or whatever we're working in, right? No one knows what the future is going to be like. And there's definitely, especially as you grow in uh, responsibility in an organization, you're asked to take on leadership roles and make decisions with what's always going to be incomplete information. Um, there's always going to be uncertainty. And that's I would think the, the hardest and most you know, exhilarating and exciting and dangerous part of things when you're like, okay, we have to make this investment of time and money or we're going to shift the company or shift our team away from this over here. And we've got a vision and we think we know what's going to happen, but you know, no one really knows. There's degrees of confidence and there's degrees of uncertainty around that. Um, and that's definitely... Um, something that requires that that does push people i think everyone out of their out of their comfort zone yes. 
Um, what would you like um, attendees to gain from your presentation here at the Open Group Summit? So at the summit today, I'm presenting on, uh, I got one presentation on Zero Trust called Zero Trust Past, Present and Future. And I'm also on a panel discussion with some of the other presenters here. Um, in terms of the presentation, I'd like people to understand a little bit more about the historical context around why we are where we are from a security perspective, in particular, why traditional um, networking and security technologies have put us into a difficult place from a security perspective, uh, and how and why this concept, this really this collection of best practices and, uh, and a, called zero trust, that is a security strategy and a security philosophy, and it's focused on taking the best practices of security and tying them together in a somewhat unique and more dynamic way. Why that's so important. Um, and I really want people to understand, number one, this is a demonstrably better way to approach security. Uh, number two, given the world in which we live, we all have a responsibility as security leaders to push and pull and poke and make our organizations move forward and adopt this because we're all under constant attack. Um, and that's just simply not an acceptable world to be in where we're not using the best defenses that we possibly can to keep our hospitals and our banks and our subway systems and our enterprises operating and safe. So what does the future hold for Zero Trust? Would you say that there's a big push for it now that you're seeing? Or? There definitely is. And a lot of this is... Uh, part of it, I should say, a, a, a lot of it is driven by the U.S. federal government's mandate for this, but a lot of it is also driven by adoption and awareness within the enterprise. And I think the future is bright. I think the onus is on us to, as enterprise security practitioners, to demonstrate that zero trust isn't just marketing BS, because there's, there is some of that out there, that it's real and that we are, as an industry, are obtaining value from it. I really encourage enterprise practitioners to share those case studies, talk about what they can, and to present at conferences like this about, hey, I work at this medical research facility or bank, whatever it is, this is how we embrace zero trust and this is how we benefited. And these are the challenges that we had. I think that we are also gonna see continued vendor inve investment in integrating platforms with other vendor components, which is really helpful Hopefully they will start to use or continue to use uh, open standards around this rather than proprietary APIs to help with an op more open uh, approach and to encourage innovation across the board. So how do you balance your current role or projects with your ongoing commitment to learning and growth? It's difficult because we all have always have short-term commitments and short-term deliverables and things like that. Um, and I really try to block off time to do reading and research, but I'm not very good at sticking to that. Um, so what I have done is I started a book group with a, uh, a group of colleagues, um, and we meet every couple of weeks and just go through one chapter of a particular book. So it's not a huge investment, but it, you do have your peer pressure to actually read the chapter and be prepared to talk about that. Um, I also i am a big reader. I spend a lot of time reading, so I do li like to read about technology or things around that, as well as, as, well as you know, detective novels and fiction and things to mm -hmm. just have fun. Um, so it's, you know, it, it is hard. I do think you have to um, think about how you want to spend your time deliberately. And you know, everyone's brain needs a break, so you know, I love a good 
trashy police procedural novel as much as anyone. But at the same time, you know, I do listen to podcasts or read books about technology uh, and spend time reading news and diving into some of the vulnerability reports or articles, technical blogs around that to really understand how this stuff works and to try to be able to make connections in, and have, of course, anecdotes to, to share about them. Nice. And how do you approach uh, challenges and setbacks? Like, do you have a certain mantra or, you know, if you come across a problem, like, how do you break it down in order to solve it? Um, I, I wouldn't say there's, a, a, there's one kind of pattern or uh, technique around that. I mean, clearly there's trying to take a step back and get as much information as you can around what the problem is or why something's failing. Um, I really try to take a collaborative approach with people that I'm working with, um, whether it's professionally or with my family, um, just to talk about things and brainstorm and uh, to try to put things in perspective too. I mean, sometimes if you work really hard on something and it's not being successful and it's okay to say, all right, you know, we're gonna, I'm gonna stop doing this because whatever reason, and I want to reassess, maybe this isn't the right track. And it's a hard balancing act to be able to make that decision versus to have the confidence and the determination to, to move forward and push things forward, right? It's, there's, uh, you don't want to, you can't always give up, uh, but you do have to know when to stop putting energy and, or money uh, and time into something that you've learned isn't the right track or doesn't look like it's going to be successful. I mean, it's, it's important to learn something from everything. Um, there's definitely an art to, hey, I'm working on this project or I'm writing this article or I'm writing this program or I'm starting this business initiative and you know, whatever reason it's not working for me. Um, you don't, it, there's definitely an art to determining how much to keep going at that and, and when to say, okay, I've learned this isn't quite right. You know, people aren't interested in buying this workshop or this project or this consulting engagement. So I'm gonna take it into a different direction. So how do you find yourself letting go of something that you're passionate about? If, if there's just, you know, something topic or just something you're working on and you really feel like it's something good and, uh, you know, you're striving for it to be successful, but you constantly find yourself in setbacks. Um, how do you navigate going through that transition and having to let it go? Um, I think you want to, I've always tried to talk to as many people about this, people who may or may not be experts in your field or may or may not even be directly related, but find people that you've got good working or personal relationships with um, and kind of bounce the ideas off of them. And, and they're not going to understand the domain like you will, but they're going to probably pick up on things that you haven't even thought about or you haven't, don't even recognize because you're so deep into it. Um, and in today's, in today's world, of course, almost anything you can create has different delivery mechanisms. It can be a podcast, it can be a book, it can be a webcast, whatever it is. And, you know, it's okay to say, all right, I've been writing this, let's say someone's writing a book, and there, no one's interested in publishing it. Okay, well, you could self-publish it, or you could turn it into a series of articles or blogs, or you, know, you could find some other way to, you could be a guest on someone's podcast to talk about that topic and start to see what kind of traction that you can get. I don't think, for the most part, effort and things that you put into something that's going to be wasted, it may take a different form than what you had originally envisioned. And that's okay. Now, before we end, we'd like to start a short round of quick fire questions. So the first one is, what bucket list item do you most want to check off in the next six months? <laughs> Quite a biggie. <laughs> 
Hmm. Hmm. Well, I don't know if I have a mental bucket list, so we can pause the recording for this. Um, um, Maybe. Okay, I'm, no, no, I, I got it. I got it. Okay. okay. All right. Oh, okay. okay. Um, so I mentioned at, that at the beginning of this year I started this business, um, and so far it's just me, but um, I've been very pleased with the amount of traction that I've gotten and the work, uh, and, as well as a pipeline of work. So for me, the... Um, a really exciting next step is going to be to uh, to hire our first employee. All right, well, I hope you get there soon. Yeah, me yeah. too. <laughs> right, and if you can invite anyone from the past or present to dinner, who would it be and why? <laughs> I know, I'm not supposed to think about this too much, right? <laughs> We could, if you'd like, change that to if you'd like to have dinner with someone famous. That's quite a good question. A celebrity, past or present. That works. <laughs> oh, we could skip this one. <laughs> or, um, what's your favourite holiday destination? Mm-hmm. Maybe go down the <clears throat> Or can we ask what book or novel you're reading? Okay. Okay, right. let's start. Right. Right. And so you mentioned earlier that you love reading novels in your free time. So what book are you reading currently? So I, uh, I mentioned uh, my police procedural, so I, I just finished, I would say, most of the, the Michael Connolly uh, Bosch series. So those, those are great, um, really good and well done, and I like the characters in them. The serious book that I'm reading is called The Age of Surveillance Capitalism by Shoshana Zuboff. This came out about two or three years ago, and it's really fascinating and scary, and uh, the, uh, the author does a fa- fabulous job of kind of coalescing and making a very detailed case for the real challenges we have around privacy and how everything that we do is now digitized and monetized and it's shaping our society in, in ways that we're not even aware of and we really need to be. Thank you. So we'd like to say thank you for joining our show today. It was great having you on and you know discussing your career journey so far, advice and also just yeah just getting to know you and learning more about you. So thank you so much. We'd also like to thank our listeners, Open Comments community, who have been tuning into the podcast. We've really been enjoying bringing different topics into the fold for you, along with a vast variety of subject matter experts. Please stay tuned for the next episode coming soon. Thank you. Stay safe.